From poisonous snakes to hungry wild animals, there are many natural dangers in the world around us. But some of the most deadly creatures live below the ocean surface and attack without warning. So what are they? Stay tuned. They have this deadly venom in their spine and they can puncture your foot and that can be fatal. This is Science, Scripture and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. When we use the term deadly ocean creatures, the first animal that may come to mind is the shark. However, there are so many other denizens of the deep that are just as harmful, even though they lack the sharp teeth and powerful bite of the shark. So what are these creatures, and why are they so dangerous? Why not dive in with us for the next 15 minutes as we explore the underwater world of deadly, venomous ocean dwellers. ICR biologist Dr. Gary Parker operates the Creation Adventures Museum in Florida. He cautions us that although most jellyfish are not extremely harmful to humans, there are exceptions. It's been uh, my privilege to get stung by jellyfish on numerous occasions. Jellyfish belong to a group called either Salentorates or Cnidaria, either one will do, and these things have little stinging organelles in their cells, something called a nematocyst that's full of poison and it can be turned inside out and ejected through the shell. A long hollow tube can actually inject poison into a little fish or a human being. And all jellyfish will have some kind of these stinging cells. Most of them are, you know, not that bad. A more powerful form of jellyfish is the colony called the Portuguese man-of-war. It has a floating balloon and then dangling tentacles, which can be over 75 feet long, filled with batteries of stinging cells, and they can catch pretty large fish. Retired ICR biologist Dr. Ken Cummings says this jellyfish can cause a lot of damage and even death to unsuspecting swimmers. When a swimmer comes in contact with them, and there's a large number of these Portuguese man-of-war floating on the surface of the, say, the marine environment or an estuary, then the tentacles in those conditions will release a lot of these arrows, and the arrows will penetrate the skin, and they contain toxin, which can affect a human quite badly. So it depends upon the dosage and the number of attacks as to what the effect could be on a human. It could be paralyzing, and it could cause serious danger to a human under those conditions. But even worse than being stung by a Portuguese man-of-war is being attacked by a certain jellyfish that lives in the waters of Australia and Asia. Dr. Parker. The most powerful of the jellyfish is the box jelly. It's called a box jelly because it's shaped like a small ice cube. It's a little cubo-medusa. It's sometimes called just a little ice cube. Uh, and actually, it's transparent like an ice cube. The other name for those things is sea wasp. They don't look like a wasp, but they sting like a wasp, only worse. The jellyfish itself is quite small, has little teeny, almost microscopic tentacles with these stinging cells, so they're very hard to see. But if five feet of these tentacles come in contact with a human being, they can be dead within minutes. Dr. Job Martin of the Incredible Creatures That Defy Evolution video series tells us that because a person can die so quickly after being stung by a sea wasp, these creatures are known as the most deadly animals on the planet. The tentacles are covered with stinging cells. They call those nematocysts. And they're activated by pressure. 
And then when there's some pressure put on them, let's say a fish would swim up against it and put a little pressure on it, there's like a chemical trigger in there that shoots the prey with this nematocyst mechanism. A human can die within four minutes of the sting. Now, there is an antidote to the sting, but it's not usually available. I mean, if you're going to die in four minutes, you don't have time to have some antidote flown from Australia or something. But artificial respiration and things like that can help. While the sea wasp or box jelly may be considered the most deadly animal on the planet, another deadly ocean creature called a stonefish has a certain distinction of its own. Dr. Parker explains. Venom from the stonefish is considered the most powerful poison produced by any of the fish. And this animal lives in shallow waters, in other words, the same waters people can get into, uh, around the Pacific, especially the Western Rim and the Indian Ocean. And they can kind of hide back in some corals and some rocks and shoals. And I have seen them. I'll give myself credit for seeing them because they are marvelously camouflaged. They're called stonefish because they look like a stone in color. But if you look really closely and you're planning on looking for them, you can occasionally see the eyes or the mouth. But they'll just sit there absolutely motionless like a rock uh, until some little unsuspecting fish or something goes by. And then they, if you step on one, they have this deadly venom in their spines and they can puncture your foot and that can be Fatal, in fact, uh, can be easily fatal. It's a very powerful poison. The next lethal ocean resident that Dr. Martin introduces us to is a beautiful little creature which lives in Pacific Ocean tide pools from Japan to Australia. It's known as the blue-ringed octopus. First of all, it's one of these things that's a master at camouflage. It can hide itself down there. But then when you irritate it or step on it or something, it will turn bright yellow with blue rings all over its body. So it's yellow with these blue rings. And that's, by the way, why it's, I suppose, called the blue-ringed octopus. But anyway, it's about the size of a golf ball. So it's just a tiny little octopus, but the venom can kill a human being in minutes, and there's no known antidote yet. And the interesting part of that is the venom is not made by the octopus, but there's a certain bacteria that lives in the salivary glands of the octopus, and it is what produces the poison. But anyway, people die when that stings them. It almost immediately affects your breathing, and that leads to cardiac arrest. Once the heart can't get enough oxygen, it's going to die. And so if someone does get stung by one of these blue-ringed octopi, octopus, you have to start artificial respiration right away. And sometimes you have to continue it for 24 hours or more until the victim can start breathing on their own. But animals aren't the only poisonous denizens of the deep. The next deadly sea dweller we'll talk about isn't an animal at all, but rather a microscopic plant called red tide. Dr. Cumming explains. Red tide is one of the most interesting kinds of organisms that are found in the ocean. Well, they're found in freshwater also, but estuaries, open ocean, and fresh waters. And red tide is caused by a dinoflagellate, a microorganism uh, plant, and it has pigment, so it can photosynthesize as well as ambulate or get around in the water column. These organisms are such that when they proliferate greatly, and maybe due to pollution in nutrient enrichment in the body of water, they then 
cause a discoloration of the body of water. What's so dangerous about red tide? These organisms, under these conditions, produce a toxin. And there's a variety of these kinds of toxins, which incidentally are not, we don't have an antidote for them. So when you get exposed to these toxins, you just have to sit it out. They're neurotoxins, so they can affect your respiration. And under these conditions, it's important that you get to see a doctor fast so that if you need respiratory aid by a breather or by some or oxygen, it's important to get that kind of assist until the crisis is over. And it's not a good thing to go swimming in a location or be in the water when these toxins are, are around. It can go across the mucous membranes, your skin and so forth, to be able to get into your tissues. But primarily, it would come as a result of eating, for instance, shellfish that were subject to this red tide. We've heard about some incredible venomous ocean creatures that can be fatal to human beings. But what about the origins of such deadly ocean residents? Dr. Parker says the only reason these creatures are living today is because they were created and not a product of slow and gradual evolution. It's interesting here that when we talk about poisons and things like this, and we wonder how does this point to creation rather than evolution, uh, it points to creation rather than evolution due to the complexity of the relationships and how many parts have to be present at the same time in order to produce these stinging cells and in order to produce the poisons in such a way that it doesn't kill the animal that's producing poisons. And you might say, well, that, you know, you couldn't evolve that one step at a time without killing the animal that's trying to evolve the poison. Dr. Cumming would agree and adds that these creatures were made with the ability to survive. They're designed to have these cells which can shoot out an arrow for the purpose of capturing food. So it's a design issue. And if it happens, once again, to be incidental that a man is affected by them, irritated or whatever, by these cells, that's not the primary purpose of them. It's the primary purpose is normal feeding. In terms of evolution, it's hard to imagine a cell of this nature that's so compact and spring-loaded and has a backup poison such that it, on demand, the cell ruptures and, and shoots out its dart and captures its prey. That is a highly elaborate designed entity. It is not something that's going to evolve. But if everything was created good in the beginning, why are these animals so dangerous to people? Dr. Parker. Why would an all-powerful, all-loving God create animals that could cause pain and misery and maybe even kill? Uh, originally, there wasn't any death in God's creation. You know, he created animals just to eat plants and so. So you might wonder, where did these come from? And so I think what we're looking at here is a system that was originally created for benefit. It wasn't created to harm, but to benefit. If you have some kind of mutation occurring, so now an animal that produced a little bit of poison might have been originally just a signal, don't step on me. When we talk about no pain before sin, we mean no pain in the sense of anguish and frustration and suffering, but there's a different kind of pain that's just a warning signal, like touching something warm or something sharp. We have receptors that have been designed by God, you know, to tell us don't go there. And although nobody likes to get stung, 
Dr. Martin says we can learn a valuable spiritual lesson in knowing how a sting feels. In 1 Corinthians 15, down there about verse, it's the resurrection chapter in the Bible, but down about verse 54 it says, When this corruptible, talking about people that have died, shall put on incorruption, that would be at the resurrection, and this mortal, people that are alive, shall put on immortality, and they become immortal, and I think that's when the Lord Jesus comes uh, for his people. We're instantly changed. That's called the rapture, First Thessalonians chapter 4, and First Corinthians 15 here early on. He said, Then shall be brought to pass the saying it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? Now, see, God, he's made things that sting us so that we will know the sting of death and the sting of the grave and the sting of sin. And God says, you know what a sting is? I'll tell you how to avoid that sting. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.